0: As you can see, this is the new year, and so we're going to preach on newness from 2 Corinthians 5.17, which I'll read in a little bit. But like many of us, I often struggle with the passages in the Bible that talk about God making us into new creations. Verses that tell us that God is doing a new thing. I often wonder to myself, why isn't he doing something new in me? It just seems like it goes on and on and on and on, and we get tragedies. I want to be a new person in Christ. I want new beginnings. I want to be that new creation. Our God is a God of all things new. And then God gently reminds me, you know, in his own way, that if I am to trust him, to take him at his word, his word tells us that each of us are new creations in him. If we are Christ's followers, he is making us new. God's timing may not be ours, I learned a lot of that this year. It may not happen as quickly as we would like. God isn't a magic genie who snaps his finger and makes us into a new creation in 24 hours. It takes that dreaded thing that we call time. And truly, I think in our own conscious heart, we wouldn't want him to be that way. Let me ask you A question. Do you remember? Yeah, anytime you say that, I I can see us going through our mind. Do you remember the day you moved into a new residence? Maybe your building had just been built and you had the opportunity to be the first person or first people to live in this brand new residence, it had never been occupied. Getting the picture? Everything was new and shiny because it had never been used before. And so I say, whether it's a new apartment or a new house or new clothes or new anything, you can fill in the blank. I think it's safe to say the overwhelming majority of us like things. That are new. We don't want things broken down and fallen apart. So if you like new things, then you're going to love the verse we are looking at today. Our scripture today is 2 Corinthians five, seventeen. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, behold the new has come. Now, you're going to realize that this sermon is a little bit different than usually. Okay, I'm going to deal with the new creation part at the very end of my message. So before we focus on becoming a new creation, and what that entails, what I want us to focus on right now are things that become new when we become new new creations, okay? So I'm going to tell you what happens after we become new creations, and then later on, because there might be people here that don't know you as their personal savior, then I want to talk about what it means to become a new creation in Christ. So what will we look at today? We will look at a new song that we should sing. We're going to look at new mercies every morning given. And we're going to look at a new commandment of love. Hey, okay, I think that's... I think we have to go back a couple more slides. The new song. Psalm 98.1 says this. Oh, sing unto the Lord a new song. For he hath done marvelous things his right hand and his holy arm hath gotten him the victory. I want you to notice several things here. We ought to sing to the Lord for the things he has done. We sing in church. We just got done. That's why you have a worship service, okay? We sing in church old hymns like praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the earth hear his voice. Or we sing... One of my favorite old hymns. To God be the glory, great things he hath done. So always sing a song to the Lord because he has done great things for us. You say, what should we sing about? Well, let me just give you a few, okay? How about singing about your salvation? Thank the Lord for saving you. You ever really read the messages of songs? Songs like, And Can It Be. Let me read it to you. And can it be that I should gain an interest in the Savior's blood? Died he for me who caused his pain? For me whom him to death pursued? Amazing love, how can it be? That thou, my God, shouldst die for me. I don't know if that speaks to your heart. I obviously heard it from somebody. But it does mine. So let us sing this new song about the Lord for the salvation he has given us. But if that's not enough, let's reflect on songs about God's amazing grace. We know this song, I once was lost But now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. Or sing about Christ's death on the cross. So I'll cherish the old rugged cross. Till my trophies at last I lay down. I will cling to the old rugged cross and exchange it someday for a crown. I don't know if we sing that song with that Impetus, I cherish. Or one of my favorite about heaven. Heaven is a wonderful place filled with his glory and grace. I could keep on going. We could sing about his faithfulness, his grace. These are the type of new songs the psalmist told us that we should sing when we are his new creations. Share the message of gospel to sing in a new song. It doesn't have to be an old song. It can be a new song. There's a bunch of wonderful ones like that. But this new song is a song of a changed life. It is a song of the one who has been redeemed. It is the song of a heart that has been renewed by his faith in Christ Jesus. So, as the psalmist says, sing a new song, because we are new creations of God. But secondly not only do we need to remember to sing a new song, but we need to remember there are new mercies every morning given for us who are his new creations. Lamentations three twenty two and 23 says this, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are New every morning, great is your faithfulness. So, let me ask you this rhetorical question. What's the first thing you think about when you wake up in the morning? For most of us, the first and most natural thing that floods our minds when the alarm goes off don't produce. Wonderful thoughts. They don't produce praise and comfort. More often than not, I believe, the burdens of the day come rushing in before we can even take a couple of breaths. We think of a struggling relationship. We think of all sorts of conflicts. We think, if we work of that meeting... Or the mistakes you made. Or the task lists that seem too long for today. Or the pain you're feeling. Or that sin you can't seem to shake. Sound familiar? And underneath them all, there's the nagging feeling that we won't find the strength to make much of a difference on any of it. So let me give you a warning. If we're not careful, those first few groggy, heavy minutes can define the rest of our day. At the core of these anxieties lie an unhealthy, unhelpful, and unbiblical self-reliance that simply cannot bear the burdens of life. One of my mentors once said this to me, and I quote, Anxiety comes when we look at our circumstances and then we look at our ability. But faith comes when we look at our circumstances but God's ability. This advice has served me well in my fight for faith. And it's helped me to see and diagnose the complexities of my sinful, self-reliant heart. I believe most of us here believe in the sovereign power of God. But we often neglect, or maybe it's just a forgetful state that we're in, that it actually applies to us that it actually applies to our lives personally and to our circumstances specifically. I can hear us saying, yes, God is sovereign, but... Don't you hate that word, but? Yes, God is sovereign, but I'm too messed up or too insignificant to deserve that kind of power. So we need to remember that the power of God is now ours through Christ Jesus. And that he promises, as this verse says, new mercies each morning. In Christ, the steadfast love of God for you will never cease. Never. His mercies will never come to an end. Never. They will be new every morning And he will be faithful to bring them to you. If God is your greatest treasure, if God is the thing you love most, then you can hope in him with these new mercies. But we always want to get into the practical, right? What does all of this mean for today's burden? You know, we're instant. We want instant results, instant pain to go away. Well, let me talk about that in relationship to these new mercies first the very reality of these new mercies from god each moment morning means we shouldn't be discouraged by barely making it through the day many days and i'm one of these many days leave us broken beat up and barely surviving sound familiar let me give you encouragement. That's okay. There was enough mercy for that day. And guess what? There's more in the morning. Second, we cannot rely on yesterday's mercies for today's burdens. We need to go to Jesus afresh each day. Go to the word of God in prayer each morning. And ask him to help you see the wonders and promises that your heart sings. You see, relationships take constant work. I really believe one of the reasons we may not feel like Jesus is with us, whether it's sleeping or waking up, is that we keep all the appointments in each week. Okay, we have these planners, okay, and 9, 9.30, okay, good, good. We have all these, and we keep all those appointments Accept the daily appointment we ought to prioritize, and that's God himself. We need to ask him to show you more of himself and plead with him for the new mercies you need today. Somebody said this. I love it. We cannot kill overwhelming anxiety and stress with to-do lists. We need new mercies from a big, sovereign God. God is in control. Philippians 4, 6, and 7 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You see, God is with us. That's what Emmanuel meant, right? God is with us. His promises for new mercies are real. They are as real and trustworthy today as they were yesterday. So, let me challenge us. Let's go to him often. Let us cast our cares honestly. Okay, yeah, that's a key word. And trust him for the peace that far surpasses our limited understanding and that guards our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. The newness displayed in a new creation can be manifested in new songs. It can be manifested by relying on him for new mercies every morning. And finally, before I get to what it means to become a new creation... We have a new commandment. John 13:34 says this, "A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another; by this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love one to another." I can see this verse being kind of confusing. Yes, it does say there's a new commandment to love. Yes, there were always there was always a command to love each other. But let me read you what it meant. Leviticus 19:18. Thou shalt not avenge, nor bear any grudge against the children of your people, but thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. I am the Lord. Yeah, there was a verse and a command to love one another. This was not a new thing for the disciples to hear. Multiple times in Matthew and in Mark and John the disciples had heard this from Jesus that they were to love each other. So you say, why did he say a new commandment? Well, The new commandment was to love others as how Christ loved us. The commandment to love was not new, but there was a new motive to love. To love our neighbors because Christ had loved us. Jesus had set the example for his disciples he was not expecting anyone to do anything that he had not already done himself. So I want us to briefly examine what this new commandment of love is. First, this new commandment of love is sacrificial. It's sacrificial. Ephesians 5.2 says, And walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for us an offering and a, here it is, a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. You see, it's always good, as Duane always reminds us, to go into the whole context of the whole Bible. Christ has just shown the disciples how to have sacrificial love. Christ could have almost said, instead of what he said, he could have said, Love as I have just shown you in the beginning of that chapter, Christ washed the disciples' feet. This was a clear example of Christ's humble, self-sacrificing love for them. He sacrifices love by dying on the cross for our sins. So let me ask you a couple of questions here. How do you love sacrificially when someone is annoying and pestering you. Okay? Okay, parents, I know we have to struggle at this time, Okay? Is your love constantly sacrificing? People, are you willing to give up the things of this world and sacrifice your love to Christ? You see, love isn't giving when others are giving. It's giving when others are not giving. You must be known by your Christ-like love for others. How? Sacrificially. But secondly, this new kind of love is a forgiving love. Ephesians 4.32 says, And be ye kind one to another, hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. This love is to be forgiving as Christ forgave us of our sins. Christ gave us unmerited forgiveness. Okay, that's what the word grace means. God's riches at Christ's expense. We did not deserve any any forgiveness from our sins. In fact, we probably deserved the complete opposite. Christ's love went so far that it reached down to sinful, undeserving man and gave him the ability to have the forgiveness of sins. Nothing is too great for us to forgive. With love like Christ, we can forgive others as Christ forgave us. You must be known by this Christ-like love. I want us to learn a new word. I'm not going to try to pronounce it, okay? You can see it right underneath, New Commandment, John 1334, okay? If somebody wanted to try to pronounce it, go ahead. Okay? I want to tell you a story about that word. In a chapel service bulletin from Chaplain Wendell C. Hawley comes a classic illustration of forgiveness. When the Moravian missionaries first went to the Eskimos, They could not find a word in their language for forgiveness, so they had to compound one. This turned out to be that long word, okay? It is a formidable-looking assembly of letters, right? But it's an expression that has a beautiful connotation. Let me tell you what it means. It means not being able to think about it anymore not being able to think about it anymore. That's forgiveness. That's a forgiving love. Finally, this new commandment of love should be visible to all. Christ-like love can never be hidden. It can't be a secret society. It must be seen by all and felt by all. Genuine, deep-seated, constant, and self-sacrificing love for one another needs to be the distinguishing trait of Christians. This love is an overflow of what Christ has done in our heart. All people will know who a follower of Christ is if true love is always displayed. A Roman historian, Tertullian, talks about this in the Roman government. The Roman government, and you don't have to be genius to understand that, was not very happy with the early church, were they? No, they weren't. Christians were increasing in numbers by leaps and bounds. If you don't believe that, let's, let's look at, give me a history lesson in the book of Acts. Because they weren't taking even a pinch of incense and they wouldn't put any images of the emperor. The Romans thought that these Christians were disloyal. So what did they they do? Excuse me. So they sent spies, okay? Yeah. Good good. They sent spies into the Christian meeting. And came back with this report. This is the report that they came back. It's, you can find this in Josephus' history book. You can find it in Tertullian. This is what they reported back. These Christians are very strange. <laughs> they meet together in an empty room to worship. They do not have an image. They speak of one by the name of Jesus who is absent, but whom they seem to be expecting at any time. And my, how they love him and how they love one another. Love is displayed. Now, if spies came to our church from an atheistic government to see what we were all about, what would be the verdict? would they comment on our love for each other? Would they comment on our love for Christ? If someone followed you around all the time, would they see that your life is consumed by Christ's love? We have one of those following us all the time. It's called the Holy Spirit. The love that you show or don't show is the evidence of you being a Christian. True Christ-like love touches others' lives. So let me ask you some more questions. Does your life impact others? Can you honestly say that since you have loved others, know you're a Christian? Does your family know that you love them as Christ did? You see, something must Change. It's not new if it doesn't change. You must be known by your Christ-like love for others visibly. We have to have be that shining light that people can see. Love not just as you love yourself like the old commandment, but as Christ loved in the new commandment. Your love for others is the strongest argument for your faith in Christ. Now that we have communicated about new songs that we should sing as a new creation, we've talked about the new mercies which will be evident every morning. We've talked about the new commandment of love which is sacrificial, forgiving, and visibly. Let's finally end with what exactly does it mean as I began with, to be a new creation. Let us look again at 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, behold, the new has come. So, let me ask you the question. What does, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation, really mean? I think the only way you find that out is, let's dissect this verse. Okay? Reminds me back of my Greek days and and, and Greek classes. Because if we don't dissect this verse, then we don't really know what this newness means. So, What does it begin with? The word therefore. Right? As a rule of thumb, when you study in scriptures, whenever you see the word therefore, you should always ask, what is it? Therefore. Okay. So let's do that. When you read the prior verse, you will get at least one indication of why this therefore is there. Therefore, from now on, We regard no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. You see, in this verse, Paul is stating clearly that we should no longer look at other believers from a worldly or human point of view. When a person comes to Christ, we cannot and should not look at them the same way. Our view of them Should change. That's why the therefore is there. The next says. Therefore if anyone. I love this word. Because it doesn't single out one specific group of people. The ideal or reality applies to every person who meets the condition. It's like John 3.16. For God so loved the word that he gave his only begotten son that, here it is, whoever. Okay. The same is true here. Anyone in Christ can be made new. Therefore, if anyone, here's the whole key, in Christ. This is the key condition of the verse. This is the one condition that must be met to make everything after it true. You must be in Christ. You need to belong to Christ. You are united with Christ. So whichever interpretation of that word in Christ you look at, they all have the same result. You become a new creation. The word new implies two things. Transformation. And contrast. I believe these are the two biggest things it means to be a new creation. First of all, that word new means you need to be transformed, right? Kind of like the Romans 12 1 and 2 concept. If you're going to be in Christ, then Paul is saying something should be happening. Okay, it's a process. When a sinful person gets connected to the saving and cleansing power of Jesus Christ, something must change. You cannot have a true encounter with Jesus and have a true salvation experience and everything remain the same. Something new has to and will happen. That's the first part. The second part is a new contrast. I love, you know, I I generally don't like the New Living Translation because it's really not, it's just a translation, but in this case, I love it. Here, let me just read part of what it says. The old life is gone, and a new life has begun. That's pretty much of a contrast, right? There is a contrast that happens when a person is a new creation in Christ. You can call it a dividing line, a line in the sand, whatever you want to call it. There is a you that existed before Christ and a you that exists after Christ. These two should be different. Notice the progression of how this happens. God changes you and makes you new in Christ and when he does that, You are now able to do all the good works that we talked about earlier. You can sing a new song. You can have and rely on the new mercies every morning. You can have a new commandment of love, which is forgiving and visible. This only happens when you are that new creation. The last thing I want to share with you to help you know what it really means to be a new creation is this. God makes you into something that never existed before. Okay. You are not just an upgrade of a previous model. Okay. We've all seen upgrades, right? No, you are a brand new model that the world had never seen before. I don't know what some of your backgrounds are and what you were before you came to Christ. All I know is that whatever you were before you came to Christ, you are not now. You are a brand new, never before seen addition that God wants to use to bring much glory to his name remember when you are a new creation in Christ you should sing new songs you will have new mercies every morning because of the loving kindness of Christ and you need to live at the new commandment of love to love one another as Christ loved you I pray that you would live today and rest of this new year's, like that brand new addition that you are. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, I just pray that first of all, if there's people here that are not new creations, that that's the first thing that can happen, Lord. That they can become in Christ. They can have that transformation. And the old can become new. But if we are those new creations in Christ, let us have lights that shine the commandment of love that can be visibly, that can forgive. That we have new songs in our hearts that we can, as it says in Philippians, rejoice always. And again, I say rejoice. That we can not rely on What's going on, but we can rely on the new mercies each morning because.